Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, October 19th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. We are so excited for the next few days. Today, of course, is the final presidential debate. The fireworks will be going off around, what, 6 o'clock tonight Pacific time? Right after the show, I'll be taking a look at that. We're going to talk a little bit about that on the show today in the Radical Rant. I'm going to cover some of the recent news about Hillary Clinton and the Podesta email leaks and uh, the speeches at uh, Xerox and all that. We'll talk about that at the end. But before we get to the rest of this stuff, i got to talk about football. That's right, football. The Packers and the Bears are playing tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. It's the oldest rivalry in the NFL. It's my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, and I am so excited to announce that the campaign to regulate marijuana-like alcohol in Arizona has a new TV ad supporting Prop 205, the legalization initiative. It's going to air during Thursday Night Football between the Bears and the Packers, And it features Super Bowl champion quarterback Jim McMahon, a current Arizona resident who started his career with the Chicago Bears in 1982, ended his career with the Green Bay Packers in 1996, and even spent a year on the Arizona Cardinals. This is the ad. I think it was my second year in the league. When I had my first injury, that's when I started using painkillers, and I was using them daily, pretty much the rest of my career. It takes its toll. It's taken too many of those things. Once I retired, I got rid of those. I moved out here to Arizona, got my medical card, and been using marijuana ever since. Someone like me can afford to be a medical marijuana patient, but others aren't so lucky. Marijuana should be available to all adults who need it. I'm voting yes on Prop 205, and hope you will too. I just love that he added... I can afford to be a medical marijuana patient, especially in Arizona. Their doctor fees are high. Their their state registry fees are high. The costs of weed are high. It's just great that he made that point. So thank you so much, Jim McMahon, the punky QB. We really appreciate that. And I need to hear from more football players, more athletes to get into these ads, to get behind supporting us. More celebrities, more actors, more comedians, more musicians. Come on, let's get your face on some of these commercials and get legalization passed in your state. All right. Also coming up on the show uh, later on in hour two, we're going to go through some more of these anti-pot ads. Uh, There's a lot of money flowing in. We'll tell you a little bit about that in the uh, Cannabis Radio News. But uh, this money is starting to buy these uh, anti-marijuana ads, and we're going to debunk them here coming up in hour two. But here in hour one, right after the news, we'll get into uh, behind the headlines where Vice News, Keegan Hamilton, uh, I've spoken with Keegan a couple of times. uh, He's uncovered the FDA's reasons why weed had to stay in Schedule 1. Yes, uh, he did a Freedom of Information Act request and uh, finally got the information back. Uh, five reasons they gave, at least in this story, why marijuana had to stay in Schedule 1. But also, surprisingly, five things the FDA says are bogus about marijuana. 
some of the reefer madness that they debunked. So we'll, we'll talk about that behind the headlines. In drug war data mining, if you haven't seen the Twitter feeds, the Facebook feeds uh, from the marijuana community, uh, then you don't know <laughs> the great news we got from Gallup today. New Gallup poll out on marijuana legalization nationwide. We'll tell you what the new support number is. In our Cannabis Business Chronicles, I've got an excerpt from Brendan Kennedy's keynote at the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver. He's the CEO of Privateer Holdings. They've got Tilray up in Canada and the Marley Natural brand down here. And uh, we'll talk again about uh, Hillary Clinton, her stand on marijuana. Plus, an hour or two, we'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. I'm Radical Russ, live from Portland. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization. With CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. She doesn't have the look. She doesn't have the stamina. To be president of this country, you need tremendous stamina. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo for Earth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, October 19th, 2016. A new Gallup poll released Wednesday shows 60% of American adults now say that marijuana should be legal, the highest level of support in nearly a half century of polling on the question. The Gallup poll tracks closely with the numbers from the Pew Research Center released last week showing 57% support for legalization. 
When Gallup first asked about legalization in 1969, only 12% of Americans supported the proposition. Support rose briefly to 28% in the late 1970s, but languished in the low to mid-20s throughout much of the 80s and 90s as the federal war on drugs hit a fever pitch. Utah's Democratic candidate for governor says he supports legalizing medical marijuana to bring relief to people like his wife, who pleaded guilty to charges of pot possession in connection to the drug she uses to treat chronic pain. Mike Weinholz said in an emotional news conference Tuesday that the current laws leave doctors with little choice but to prescribe powerful painkillers with a risk of addiction that has made opioids an epidemic in Utah and elsewhere. Donna Weinholz says she suffers from arthritis and degenerative spinal conditions that left her unable to leave her bed some days. She says that after she started using marijuana, she was able to plant tulip bulbs again. Conservative Utah has passed a very limited cannabidiol-only law, but a push to expand it died in the state legislature this year. All five states considering recreational marijuana legalization, Arizona, California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada, have seen more money flowing to groups that favor legalization than to those fighting it. But deep pocket donors who drove opposition campaigns in years past are opening their pocketbooks again. Casino owner Sheldon Adelson of Nevada has spent $2 million on opposition in Nevada and $1 million to oppose legalization in Massachusetts. Insys Therapeutics, an opiate manufacturer that's working on a synthetic cannabis drug, has given at least a half million dollars in its home state of Arizona. Discount Tire has given another one million dollars to the Arizona opposition. Carol Barnett Jenkins, a Publix grocery chain owner, donated $800,000 to fight medical marijuana in Florida. Julie Schauer, a Pennsylvania retiree, gave more than one million dollars to a group opposing legalization nationwide. Other large donations to fight legalization come from U-Haul and the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers in Arizona, the Beer Distributors Pack in Massachusetts, MGM Resorts International and Atlantis Casino and Resort in Nevada, and Howard Samuels, a drug treatment therapist in Los Angeles, and the Beer and Beverage Distributors in California. The Denver Post editorial board has endorsed Denver Initiative 300, a four-year pilot licensing program that would allow for adult use of marijuana at certain venues and special events. The Post acknowledged the city's problems with, quote, illegal toking and vaping in the streets and alleys and parks, end quote, since legalization was passed in 2012. The Post also criticized the lack of appropriate venues for adult consumption, including, quote, gripes from tourists who wish to try some legal Colorado weed, end quote, as well as renters and homeowners whose marijuana use is frowned upon by, quote, family, condo associations, housing authorities, and apartment rules, end quote. Initiative 300, quote, might yield some relief for the problem of public use, end quote, according to the editorial board, which urges its readers to vote yes on the measure. Legalizing medical marijuana doesn't turn more teens into stoners, researchers say. Though more people over 25 were likely to ingest marijuana if their home states approved it for medical purposes, there was no effect on anyone younger. The study, which was published online in the journal Drug and Alcohol Dependence, found that people over 25 were slightly more likely to have used marijuana in the past month after their state legalized it for medical purposes. That number grew from grew to 7.15% from 5.87% for that group. 
This is the first study that looks at how medical marijuana laws have affected actual use. Columbia University researchers used annual survey data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health between 2004 and 2013. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, October 19th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. The regulation of marijuana means more money for schools. Because our schools here in Nevada are so underfunded, this would be a great revenue source. Provide about $20 million a year extra for our school systems. This tax revenue will be so helpful to all the education systems throughout the state. The measure specifically calls for all tax revenue to go into our education fund. Vote yes on question two. Vote yes on two. Please, vote yes on two. The Russ Belleville Show where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at some great work done by Keegan Hamilton. He writes for Vice News, and uh, the story that he brought forth is has to do with the FDA and why they decided to keep marijuana in Schedule 1. You recall that uh, this was uh, a petition that the DEA had forwarded to FDA and they dragged their feet on it for six or seven years. And just this year, we finally got the notice that, yeah, it's going to stay in Schedule 1. So uh, Keegan did a, a Freedom of Information Act request on the FDA wanting to get their documents, about 121 pages of documents that they used to support their case. And uh, we now know, we now have these documents. Uh, they, they refused at first. Uh, he had to do a, an appeal before they finally gave in. And that's pretty typical, right? When the government doesn't want to give you these documents, they'll just refuse it, figuring, eh, you're not going to follow up. And when you do, you usually win. So here are some of the findings from the FDA as to why cannabis needed to stay in Schedule 1 more restrictive than cocaine, Oxycontin, and fentanyl. This is why. Number one, marijuana is addictive to monkeys. <laughs> yeah, they cite this study in 2000 where they took squirrel monkeys and they taught them how to self-administer THC. And they found out that the uh, monkeys liked it. 
And so that shows why it's a drug of abuse. Monkeys like to get high. That's why we need to put humans in cages. Uh, number two, people prefer to smoke marijuana. According to the FDA's research, the people liked smoking marijuana better than taking Marinol pills, better than taking the pill form. And so they compared that to uh, cocaine, opium, heroin, and meth, saying, quote, The intense psychoactive drug effect achieved rapidly by smoking is generally considered to produce the effect desired by the abuser. This effect explains why abusers often prefer to administer certain drugs by inhalation rather than orally. End quote. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Would have nothing to do with the fact that when you're smoking it, you're self-titrating. You can feel the effects immediately and you can use more or stop. When you get to where you need to be, as opposed to eating that Marinol pill and then waiting 45 minutes to see if five milligrams was enough for you. And if it wasn't, well, swallow another pill in an hour and maybe another five milligrams will do it for you. Well, that wasn't good. Okay, we'll swallow another one another hour later. Of course, the first pill from an hour ago might be wearing off by now. So so maybe next time you'll take 10 milligrams or maybe 20, right? You're You're telling this to someone who's under chemotherapy puking. And you want them to try to hold pills down for an hour. All right. That's why we're smoking it. Not because we want to get some sort of meth high or opium rush or something like that. Anyway, here's uh, reason number three. Getting high makes users feel funny. Yeah, they said uh, common effects of marijuana are increased merriment and appetite, heightened imagination, disorganized thinking, illusions, delusions, and hallucinations, and agitation, paranoia, confusion, drowsiness, and panic attacks. Okay, Um, in the worst case scenarios, uh, some of those things might happen for a very small minority of the cannabis users out there. Getting high makes you fun. Here's uh, another reason why it had to stay in Schedule 1, because it's easy to buy weed. They noted that, quote, marijuana is more widely available from illicit sources than through legitimate channels, end quote. (laughs) This is a reason why it has to stay illegal, because it's hard to get when it's illegal. (laughs) Jeez, okay. And number five, uh, the biggest reason, I would say, why marijuana has to be illegal, at least according to the FDA here, why it needs to stay in Schedule 1, why it needs to be treated like heroin and LSD, is marijuana is popular. They say, quote, history and current patterns of abuse uh, show that more than 42% of the U.S. population used marijuana at least once and 7.6 million people use it on a daily or almost daily basis. It's just too popular. People like to do it. That, that's obviously why it's a drug of abuse. Not coffee or, you know, anything like beer or tobacco. Those can stay unscheduled because they're not popular. <sighs> This is the madness, the, the, the pretzel logic that we get from our federal government whenever they have to talk about weed. Now, there was some good news in this. They did note that marijuana is not a gateway drug. They noted that marijuana doesn't seem to cause cancer. They noted that there is no link to mental illness. They noted that it's no more addictive than tobacco. And they noted that marijuana doesn't make you dumber that those uh, IQ studies were bunked. This is the FDA, by the way. So uh, Kevin Sabat and all you uh, uh, prohibitionists who keep saying all that Madeline Meyer study and the eight-point IQ loss and the the gateway drug stuff, 
you're the ones that keep telling us to go through the FDA to get marijuana legalized, to get it medicalized. The FDA itself is saying you're full of shit. Hey, this is great, man. I agree, Tommy. And speaking of Tommy Chong, we'll have an exclusive interview with Tommy coming up on um, Friday's show. I'm going to put it on Friday's show. I- I'm pre-recording an interview with Tommy tomorrow morning, uh, and uh, we'll have it on Friday's show. How's that? If you got any questions you'd like me to ask Tommy Chong, send them to me. Uh, email at Radical Russ. Tweet me at Radical Russ. Radical Russ at Gmail for the email. Or Facebook Radical Russ. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Obama, for instance, no matter what he said, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be against him for saying whatever it is. Santa Claus is a nice guy. Someone says, oh, Santa Claus must be a thief if Obama likes him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a racist attitude. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay, maybe you're high too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we get a gift, an early Christmas gift from the Gallup Polling Organization, which notes today that support for legal marijuana use is up to 60% in the United States of America. This is the highest 
polling number we've ever gotten out of Gallup. There's been one previous poll that I've looked at uh, that got a 61%. This was the Benenson poll, or no, Associated Press, excuse me. AP back in March had a 61%, and Benenson Strategy Group back in uh March of 2015 had a 61% poll, but uh, these numbers just continue trending up and up and up. And let me get some of the details here for you. 47 years Gallup's been asking about this. It's gone from 12% back in 1969 up to 60% now. And uh, we've got a situation where this means we could have after this election, you know, we've got five states voting on legalization. We could go from 5% of the United States population living somewhere where marijuana is legal to almost 25%. California brings another 36, 39 million, something like that into the fold. So we could have a situation where one out of four Americans almost live somewhere where weed is legal. Now we look through the polling trends And, of course, Gallup's previous poll was 58%, which they got twice. They got it in 2013 and 2015. And does that mean that we're reaching kind of a ceiling? Are we getting to a point where it's going to peak, where we're going to hit 58, 60, 62% somewhere in there and and it'll stay there? Or will that number continue to trend upwards? One way we might get a look at that is to check out the demographics on the poll. What we find is that it's 60% nationwide, you know, if you count everybody, but if you just count the millennials, and in this case, we're going to define millennials as 18 to 34 years old, their support is at 77%, 77%. Middle-aged folks, 35 to 54, 61%. So this is really being, this number is being held down to 60 by the people 55 and older, your AARP set, your seniors, which only support legalization at 45%. But even within that number, there's some good news. That 45% among the seniors is up from 29% a decade ago. In 2003 and 2005, the support among seniors was 29%. Among the middle-aged people, it was at 35%. They got from 35 to 61. And from the Millennial set, 18 to 34, up from 44 to 77. And that's just in a decade, folks, just one decade. And what has happened? What's been the the significant advance from 2006 to 2016 has been not necessarily legalization. That's part of it. I mean, you're all saying legalization was 2012, but it's been creeping up since then. I believe is the advent of retail marijuana. Kevin Sabet and Project Sam, all these guys like to point to 2009 as a date when, aha, this is when things changed. This is when we started to see dispensaries in these medical marijuana states, these storefront co-op kind of things, whatever, whatever they're legal or not. But that's when it started to happen, about 2009. And Kevin Sabet's thing has always been that when legalization continues, it's going to be its own worst enemy. Because as it continues, the worst aspects of it will become more obvious. There'll be, you know, stone mayhem on the freeways. There'll be pot shops on every corner. People smoking in the parks. uh, You know, mayhem, right? So these numbers since 2009 that continued to go up in support of legalization tell me that he's completely off base on this one. That the more legalization 
unfolds throughout this country, the more reports people get back about, hey, we made tax money. Hey, look, we're uh, we're not seeing kids dropping out like crazy. The teen use isn't going up like crazy. The roads aren't littered with bodies. The more that keeps happening, the harder and harder it gets for these boys to keep crying wolf about what's going on with legalization. Uh, I sent a meme out earlier today. If you check out my Twitter account, uh, a new meme for Kevin Sabet on this one. Uh, I took one of his quotes about how big tobacco, it's going to turn into big marijuana and it's going to freak everyone out. Well, big marijuana's here and it seems to be that the people like it. If I check out all of the polls, and I've got a database of 110 polls, 110 polls that I've collected from various sources, mostly Gallup, mostly Pew Research, but a lot of the news stations too, CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, CNN, that kind of stuff. And as I look at those polls, the last two years worth of polls from October 15th of 2014 to today, and that counts 12 polls, the last dozen polls in a row, have been majority support for legalization, over 50%, with an average of 55%. And that's just the last two years of the polls. I can go all the way back. I have to go back all the way to February of 2013 to find a poll that had more opposition to legalization than support. That was a Fox News poll, by the way. Of course, Gallup had one in 2012 that was a 50 to 48 Since then, since March of 2013, there have been 24 polls taken nationwide, 24 polls taken nationwide, 20 of them have been above 50%, and the other four are plurality support, like a 48-47, or a 49-48, or a 45-45, a tie. We are winning, and it's beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got an episode of the Cannabis Chronicles. I was up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia last Thursday and Friday at the International Cannabis Business Conference, and on Friday, it was Brendan Kennedy's turn to deliver his keynote speech. He's the CEO of Privateer Holdings. They're the company behind Tilray, the medical marijuana company in Canada, and the Marley Natural marijuana brand. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. When legalizing safe, responsible adult use of marijuana, the most important question is how. By voting yes on Prop 64, adults 21 and over could only purchase marijuana at licensed marijuana businesses. And Prop 64 bans advertising directed at kids, requires strict product labeling, childproof packaging, and bans edibles that appeal to children. Smart provisions to safeguard our families. 
Learn more about the safeguards at yeson64.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Who's your favorite foreign leader? I guess I'm having an Aleppo moment. I'm having a brain. I'm well, name anybody. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Canna Business Chronicles. This is an excerpt of Brendan Kennedy's keynote at ICBC. The sometimes I think about prohibition as a as a triangle um, where activists are attacking the triangle from one angle. Um, and political campaigners are attacking uh, prohibition from a, from another angle, and uh, as as legalization takes place, whether medical or recreational, there's another angle um, that business can attack from. You know, business um, business is just another form of activism if it's if it's done right. Um, brands can uh, brands can fuel change, um, and I, I think that. Uh, that's one of the things that, that we're really excited about in, in countries and in, in states um, in the U.S. is that, um, you know, finally we're starting to see businesses fund some of these campaigns uh, in, in other states and provide resources uh, to campaigners outside of their state or, or outside of uh, their country. And that's a huge, that's a huge change. Um, that's a huge change from what we've seen, you know, two years ago, four years ago, where it was much more difficult for uh, political campaigners to raise funding from within uh, with, within the industry. We talk about we talk about five ways that um, brands fuel change, and so our objective is to build bright, shiny brands that people can point to and say, "That's what the end of prohibition looks like," and we feel comfortable with that, whether it's medical or recreational, um, and and that's our objective. Um, and so the five I'll walk through are change perceptions of the product and user, inspire confidence and trust, reduce barriers to change, create and imply legitimacy, and then directly create change. Um, and so uh, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, uh, Honda decided they were going to introduce uh, motorcycles to the U.S. And there was this perception uh, on the left of, of motorcycles and, and people who rode motorcycles. And uh, that was what Honda was trying to deal with. And so they, their objective was to, to put a mainstream face on, on motorcycles. And uh, within four years, uh, they were selling four, more t- four times more motorcycles than, than Harley-Davidson. And, and the way they did it was through ads like this. You meet the nicest people on on a Honda, right? It's really simple, um, but it it changes changes perceptions of of the product and user. 
um, inspire confidence and trust. Uh, and so when Starbucks was uh, initially um, ramping up, they, they had to educate people about, about coffee, about coffee productions, uh, coffee production around the world um, to raise, uh, raise the bar on, on coffee quality and, and people's uh, consumers' perceptions of coffee quality. Um, reduce barriers to change. Um, so Miss Michelin uh, was a tire company, right? And, and people didn't drive their cars a whole lot, and Michelin wanted to figure out a way to get people to drive their cars more. And so what they started doing was uh, creating guidebooks. Um, so you, know, you could drive uh, from, from Paris into the countryside and tour some spot or go to some restaurant. And that's, that's how Michelin guidebooks uh, started. That's how you know, Michelin star restaurants started. Um, they were trying to get people to drive more so they would use more tires uh, so that Michelin could sell to sell more sell more tires, um, and so they're trying to change and change perceptions of what you should use a car for, um, and and change uh, barriers, reduce barriers to change mentally. Um, you know, create and imply legitimacy. So um, this one's a little strange, but condoms used to be sold in brown packages, like simple brown packages, unbranded, um, and so Trojan came along and. Uh, started branding um, condoms and tried to create and apply uh, legitimacy by normalizing packaging, um, normalizing branding. Um, you know, this is a really small uh, quote, but the the quote uh, here uh, is from the Surgeon General of, of the United States, and so they're trying to create and apply legitimacy around uh, uh, their brand and, and their packaging. And then, then the, the fifth point is directly create change. We're all, you know, everyone's familiar with Tom's. Um, but there's, a, there's a, a brand that is directly creating change. It's, uh, the, the social conscience is, is um, woven into the, the core of, of that brand. Um, it's, it's, the, it's, it's how we think about Rise Up, uh, which is the, the, the charitable group uh, part of, of Marley Natural that funded the expungement of the criminal records in, in Oregon. Um, uh, it's, it's about directly creating change um, and, and tying that very closely into the core of the, the brand. Um, one of the issues that a lot of people face in, uh, in the industry is a, a lack of access to capital. Um, and it's something that we faced six years ago. It's something that, that lots of people face. Um, and Alex asked me to, to speak um, uh, about this, about what sort of advice um, I would give to people uh, who are uh, looking to, to raise capital. Um, and so... You know, my, my first point is tell a story. Um, you know, I've, I've heard thousands of pitches in, in my career, and the best pitches are always stories. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a uh, problem-solution pitch. It's not an opportunity pitch. It's not a management team pitch. The best pitches are always stories, uh, you know, genuine, true stories that, that people are, are telling about themselves and their team and their company. Um, it's, it's a pretty simple point, but it's my first one. Um, the second one is show a vision. Um, don't just pitch a product, but pitch, or, or and the product can be anything. It can be a, a company, it can be a brand, it can be a service. Don't just pitch, pitch the, the product. Um, pitch a vision. Tell, tell people what you're going to do, what, 
what you see your company or your brand um, or your industry looking like one, two, three, five years down the road. Um, and and that, that vision, that vision is what, what hooks people, um, hooks people in, into interest in, in you and in your company. The third one's pitch, 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 um, which is a little strange because, um, well, I've never given this, I've never shown this deck before, right? Um, uh, so you all had to suffer through the first time I've walked through it. Um, but I guarantee you that if I did it 10 more times, it would get better. Um, and, and that's my point here is that when I pitch investors, I've, you know, there's 150 slides in that deck. Um, I walk through 42 of them. It takes 32 minutes. Uh, I could do it in my sleep, uh, because I've done it a thousand times. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the first 50 times were just practice with people who I know would never invest, but, I can tell that story, uh, and I've refined that story over over the last six years, um, so that I, I know that it, I know that it works. And so, so practice practice makes purchase per, practice makes perfect, um, which might have been a better way of, of saying that. Um, learn from no, it, it can become yes. And there's two points. To this one, be nice. Um, you know, my proud, proudest is the wrong word. Um, uh, the most uh, satisfying investors for me to close are the ones who said no four years ago. Um, you know, so the first part is learn from no. Ask people why they said no. Um, gather their feedback in a, in a nice, polite way um, and, and try to improve uh, using that feedback. Um, and then continue to be nice to them. Uh, continue to send them information, even if they said no, even if it was a harsh no, um, continue to send them information, continue to talk to them, because the most satisfying yeses, the most satisfying investors for me to receive are the ones, uh, investments to receive, are the ones that, um, where people said no two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Um, and so that, that's important. Um, sometimes we, sell, we tell people no, and, and I get lots of anger back, and, and that, just, that just closes the door. Um, show milestones. Um, so every time I talk to someone, I say, you know, the first time I talk to them, I'll tell them, you know, we're working on A, B, and C. And um, it's a process, right? And so I may see them three months later, six months later, and I'm able to say, you know, last time I told you we were doing A, B, and C, those are done. Now we're working on D, E, and F. Um, and, and we hit those milestones, and the next time I talk to them, um, I'll, I'll tell them that we're you know, working on GH and I, and and that hitting those milestones and, and doing what you said you were going to do uh, makes it easier to close uh, close those investors. Um, you know, investors. Next point is six. Um, the investors don't fear making a bad investment. Um, you know, people make bad investments all the time. I'm going to make bad investments for the rest of my life. Um, that's just part of being an investor, um, you know, the, the key, what bothers me, what keeps me awake at night is missing the good ones. Um, you know, people who had a chance to invest in, you know, pick Apple, Google, uh, any, any successful company, uh, and didn't, that's, that's what keeps them awake at night. Um, the, the next one is do it and keep doing it. Um, the worst pitch is someone who, who says, you know, I'm looking for funding so I can go do X, um, and that that that's really difficult to work. Uh, it's really difficult for that pitch to work. 
Um, it's always better to say, this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, I need, I, I need capital to you know, do these next things, but I'm doing it. I'm going to do it with or without you. I'm going to do it with or without your capital. Um, feelings. Um, this one could be simplified probably to just be um, fear of missing out. Um, there's a huge fear in investors right now, uh, fear of missing out on, on this industry. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, doesn't matter what country we're talking about. Um, and that, that fear is just going to accelerate. Um, it will accelerate through, uh, you know, sort of the next big milestones. It'll accelerate through the election. A lot of people are going to wake up on November 9th in the United States and be panicked that they don't have some investment in this particular industry. It's, it's, I really believe that mentally, from an investor perspective, it'll be the, the, the beginning of the end. Um, and so they'll want some exposure. When, when Canada legalizes recreational cannabis, investors will want exposure. When Germany uh, legalizes medical cannabis in the next three months, investors will want to invest in this industry. And so, so um, uh, benefit from that fear of missing out and um, throw, throw a little fuel on that fire and, and, and make people feel that fear. Um, the next one's really simple. Don't lose fast, um, meaning uh, we do a lot of research on people before they come and talk to us, and a lot of people do research on us before we go and talk to them. You know, if, I go, if I'm talking to an investor, they've read, you know, they've read the top 10 articles about us. And so you know, make sure whatever people pull up is going to be good, um, you know, whether it's an article about you or a Facebook fo- post or a you know, Instagram, we look at all that stuff, and everyone looks at all of that stuff around us and our companies. And so don't have, some, something, don't have something on social media that you wouldn't want an investor to see because they're going to find it. Um, and then the last one's really simple, brand cliches. Um, you know, the, not, every, not every brand in this industry has to embrace the cliches. Um, you know, our thesis is that this is a mainstream product, and there will be um, there will be mainstream there will be more and more mainstream brands um, in this in this industry, and there'll be brands that segment all different kinds of, of consumers, uh, from you know hipsters to baby boomers to, to women. Um, uh, there'll be premium brands, there'll be value brands, but they don't all have to embrace the cliches. That's Brendan Kennedy, the CEO of Privateer Holdings. They are uh, got many companies. Tilray is one of them, the medical marijuana company in uh, Canada, as well as the Marley Natural brand. And um, I've had my eye on Privateer for a while. And you know, when they started this Marley Natural thing, it's like, yeah, but how does that help the ganja farmers in Jamaica? Well, looks like they're trying to do that. They're trying to do some good works, trying to put some. Uh, some money back into the community that uh, made this possible. I'll talk a little bit more about that coming up in hour two. You'll have my response. But up next, my radical rant. Don't worry. President Clinton's not going to stop marijuana legalization now. (laughs) Happy debate night. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Play is Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the 
Locust Grower in Town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers? From a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Tennessee's Congressman Steve Cohen. Well, you know, if marijuana is a gateway drug, then kissing is a fake gateway activity to sexual addiction. U.S. Representative Jared Polis. Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email FiredUpLawyer at gmail.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. All right. uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Hillary Clinton in the rant today because it is debate night. It's our final debate between Hillary Clinton and the orange-skinned goblin, whatever the hell that is that puked out of the Republican Party this year. Um, And folks, uh, before I go too far, uh, you know, people know me. It's funny. It's uh, I get people online that uh, rag on me for being such a libertarian. I'm like, really me? And then I get others that are like rabbit rag on me because I'm such a liberal. You're such a bleeding heart progressive. Okay. And then I get others that are like, God, you're so conservative. (laughs) So label me what you will. Right. Uh, In a normal year. Fine, but this year it's just a question of sanity versus insanity. So, anyway, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the marijuana community about these uh, recent revelations from the WikiLeaks hack, uh, the the theft of personal emails, uh, that um, goes to the question of what would Hillary Clinton do as a president if I should say when at this point <laughs> it's looking pretty bad for Donald, uh, but when, if she's elected, is that going to be bad for marijuana legalization? And one little nugget came out that a lot of people are seizing on because a lot of people in the marijuana community hate Hillary Clinton. They're for Gary Johnson or they're just don't like anything or they're whatever. But anyway, they're seizing on this little nugget of info from one of her uh, Wall Street speeches 
where she's speaking with the CEO of Xerox, and she asks on the legalization of marijuana, where do you stand? And Hillary Clinton says, short in all sentences of the word. And the context was that, you know, short meaning you sell a stock short, which means you're betting against it. And in all sense of the word, meaning she supports nothing about marijuana, legalization of marijuana, right? That, that means she's absolutely against it federally and at the state level, right? Now, this would counteract a lot of other statements she's made where she's been for, you know, rescheduling and, and pretty so- solid on medical and kind of a wait and see states rights thing on on uh, legalization. Right. Very timid, which is which is in her character being the you know spineless kind of Democratic politician she is. She's going to watch polls. She's going to see what's safe, what's politically expedient what's popular i mean we've seen her flip-flop on gay marriage when it became popular to do so we saw her flip-flop on tpp when it became popular to do so right so i'll make these points and also make the point that the speech thing was two months after colorado started its first sales and in the interim we've had what now uh, 10 uh, national polls with greater than 50% legalization support. We've had another two states legalize and one of them start their sales program. So we got three states that have sales programs and the sky is not falling and tons of documentaries and it's more in the national consciousness. All this evidence I can mount to say, look, this is not, this is not going to be high on her list in the first place, right? Not her issue to deal with in the first place. And second of all, if anything, she's going to look to do what's going to cause me the least political headache. What's going to be the least hassle I have to deal with? It's going to be very much like Obama, right? People kind of uh, some of some people on our side kind of don't like Obama that you know, he didn't help it legally. Well, he did. He did by not doing anything. <laughs> you know, he could have he could have had the attorney general, uh, you know, write up some uh, uh, injunctions against Colorado and Washington moving forward on their uh, recreational. Uh, sales systems. That's under the Commerce Clause. They could have done it. They could have not issued the Cole memos or the Wilkinson memos or any of that kind of stuff. He could have not commuted more drug prisoners than any president, like the last six or seven combined. So he's done a decent job in just staying out of the way, right? This is something that's going to happen from the state level anyway. We've all known this for a long time, that it's going to go state by state by state, just like alcohol prohibition, the states decided not to enforce it, and finally the feds had, all right, fine, we won't do it. Okay? So given that, given all this evidence that it's going to be so popular and it's become increasingly popular and she's not going to want to deal with it and it's a political headache and she's going to stay off to the side and not cope, deal with that, right? The response I get back has got two little nuggets that come with it, which is, number one, the part of the Podesta leak that says, oh, she has a public position and a private position, Right? Which I, I'm, I'm stunned that this shocks anybody, right? That there's public and private positions by politicians that they'll say one thing and then behind closed doors, they have to come up with compromises and exchanges and differences that this is what politics is, people. But there's that point. And then the other point that comes back with it is the, uh, you know, she's got the public private position and that she's in the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies. The big health industry wants to make sure that there's no medical marijuana and there's no legalization. And they've got her in her in. She's a puppet. She's controlled by these big donors and they're going to make her tear down the state legalization programs and reschedule marijuana to schedule two and then run the DEA in and shut down all the medical programs and the, the sky will fall. 
right? All these terrible predictions. So here's, I've been doing some thinking on this, and here's my thinking on that point. Um, the pharmaceutical thing, this idea that, you know, first of all, that presidents are unilaterally controlled by one particular big donor. Now, I'm not discounting the level of legalized corruption we have in our system. No doubt about that. But if it is, if there is, if, if this, if you, if you're granting this idea that the amount of money given to the candidate is the purse strings, the puppet strings that control them, then let's take a look at the money. OpenSecrets.org has this online. You know, where are they getting their money from? So this is uh, Hillary Clinton's donations, right? What she's made, $529 million raised, uh, 73% from campaign donations, 27% from super PACs. And um, of that, top donations by industry, we've got eighth on the list is health professionals. Eighth, $6 million, $6.8 million. This includes physicians, dentists, chiropractors, pharmacists, nurses, nutritionists, and other healthcare service providers, as well as their professional associations. $6.8 million. Um, other than that, the top 10 in here, $44 million from retired individuals. Uh, lawyers and law firms, $26 million. Now, those are trade organizations that promote legislation and members of firms who are involved in the political processes. Could be some lobbyists in there for pharmaceutical. Could be in that within that twenty-six million. Education's thirteen million. Women's issues nine million. Real estate eight million. Business services seven point nine. Securities and investments seven point five. Health professionals again coming in at eighth six point eight. Democratic and liberal organizations six point four. Civil servants and public officials five point nine. So then, if it's the puppet theory, right? Wouldn't the retired people have the most power? The retirees at 44 million? Lawyers and law firms? I know a lot of lawyers are making money now, uh, switching over to business law thanks to legalization, uh, setting them up to be consultants and stuff. Maybe they'd be for uh, creating more business for themselves. Plus, within these WikiLeaks things, there's some other things that are very uh, promising about this. Uh, for one, she's been in correspondence with my congressman, Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. In one email, she writes, quote, he wants to support me on policy and fundraising specifically by helping on how to talk about marijuana and the need for fair taxes and banking on animal welfare concerns, which he say are sleeper issues that will turn out young people and motivate voters. He has a lot of ideas about what I could do, which would be the first time these interests are organized for a presidential campaign, and several states, Nevada, Ohio, and Florida, will have marijuana initiatives in 2016, end quote. In another one, she's looking about how uh, the banking for marijuana business, I do think these businesses, if they're operating in according to state law and with federal guidelines, should be able to access banking services. Not having banking services can force legal and licensed businesses to deal in cash, making their stores a target for theft. So she's curious about the issue. She's a policy wonk. She's a total nerd. From a Black Lives Matter report, uh, from my perspective, we need to look hard at decriminalizing behavior that is not harmful, that is not leading to violence, and try to figure out how to best do that. Oh, I hate when the websites do that. What else we got here? I support the idea of marijuana decriminalization. Hey, we'll, we'll continue this an hour or two. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.
Take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smoother. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's hour two. Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's right, 650-534-2565. That's where our legal MJ is at. And uh, speaking of legal MJ, we got five more states voting on it. Legalized marijuana in Arizona, California, Massachusetts, Maine, and Nevada. And if you would like to do your homework and find out exactly what the hell's getting voted on, I'd encourage you to check out weednews.co. We have got the full text of all five initiatives posted up there, and they're hyperlinked with a table of contents. And what's neat about that is you can jump to a particular section, and then when you copy that hyperlink and you pass it on to someone else through Twitter or Facebook... They jump right to that section. So when you read one of them Facebook comments when someone says, oh, it, it creates a crime of passing a joint to someone, you can go find where it is. That's bullshit. Click the link, copy the link, send it over. Say, do your homework. Look shit up before you start running your mouth. God knows I have to. <laughs> anyway, check out weednews.co, not .com, weednews.co. Because we're in a hurry, man. We got time to add an extra M. 
Uh, <laughs> so uh, I was going off on this Hillary Clinton thing because it's debate night tonight, and um, on Forbes is where I'm getting this report. But Forbes is getting it from the stellar work of Tom Angel at Marijuana Majority. It's also writing at Marijuana.com. He's kind of the he's the East Coast radical Russ in a sense. Uh, <laughs> although he's I I bow to him, man. He does a far better job than I do. I got to say he's uh, in the media all the time, and he's been digging through those uh, WikiLeaks emails uh, of John of the Podesta uh, camp. Right now, I, I I happen to know that that uh, that Tom's not a big Hillary Clinton fan either. <laughs> right, so he's uh, I think he's. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't speak for him. I think he's voting for Gary Johnson, but I, you have to ask him. But anyway, um, so I know he went into this, though, went into these WikiLeaks emails um, with a skeptical eye. Right. And, and I, I trust his judgment on this, that, you know, he's going to, you know, dig into this. And no matter what he found from it, he would report it. And kudos to him because he's reporting what I believe is a, is a very fair review of these uh, of the marijuana mentions that's found in these emails. Uh, I, I mentioned the correspondence with Earl Blumenauer, the, the Black Lives Matter transcript that says, from my perspective, we do need to look hard at decriminalizing behavior that is not harmful, that is not leading to violence, and to try to figure out how best to do that. The question had been in context of criminal penalties for marijuana and for sex work. Uh, she went on to say, quote, I support the idea of it, marijuana decriminalization. I'm not sure exactly how you would implement it and how, you know, because remember, most of the laws you're talking about are state and local laws. I mean, the federal government can encourage, can make suggestions, can provide incentives. But most criminal law, most policing, all of the problems that we've been discussing are really controlled at the local and state level. So you have to have a buy in by others, not just by the federal government, end quote. And that's a pretty nuanced look at it. It's a pretty uh, sophisticated look. Although I would say the federal government can at least unschedule marijuana, deschedule, even reschedule would help a lot of these state and local laws because they're triggered by the Controlled Substances Act at the federal level. There's some, some of them are tied to it, right? But actually, it's not that easy because the United States is tied into a whole bunch of treaties, too. And if we descheduled cannabis... We'd be in violation of those treaties. Harry Anslinger tied us up real good. We're going to take a break. When we come back, some of those uh, scary anti-marijuana ads that are running across the country. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him being that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Nine after the hour. Just wrapping up that thing on, uh, on Hillary Clinton in advance of tonight's debate, which I'm... I can't wait, man. This is going to be so much fun. There's, I've got this feeling like there's this entire wave, there's this entire era that's coming to an end. Like there's a extinction-level event for a certain strain of, of American intolerance. You know what I mean? I mean, we see it in the, the rapid evolution on the gay marriage issue. That was incredible how quickly that changed. And I mean, really, I mean, you get the early 2000s here. I was uh, having to deal with Oregon, my home state, passing a constitutional amendment against gay marriage is one of the 30 states where this got put on the ballot and was used as a wedge issue to drive conservative turnout. And, you know, we were writing we were taking people's rights away through an amendment, through a constitutional amendment. I mean, that was stunning. I mean, every time we've ever amended state or national constitutions, to the best of my knowledge on the state thing, I don't know all 50 state constitutions, but to the best of my knowledge, we don't take people's rights away with the Constitution. We, we expand them. That was the first time, right? So that was just like 2006, man. And now we're 10 years later, and the whole country has flipped on it, just completely flipped on the whole idea. Just amazing to me. And, and we've seen it with marijuana. I mean, our, our Gallup polls out with 60% today. We've, and, and this was, this was uh, the Gallup uh, poll. I closed that tab, damn it. It, was, uh, it wasn't anywhere near 60% just 10 years ago. It was like, I think the number was 40 or 39, was it? 39 overall? Just 10 years ago. 39% legal uh, in America. So I think that the gay marriage issue, the marijuana issue are just part of a bigger change in America 
that we're seeing that's that's giving rise to the end of a certain era, the end of the, I don't know, the Reagan era? Could it be? Could we finally be reaching the end of the Reagan era? It's a, it's a feeling like, uh, and, and Donald Trump in this, right? Here's Donald Trump's role in this, from my perspective, is the culmination, like the last gasp of, of it, you know, like um, I was watching Terminator 2 the other day. And you remember at the end of Terminator 2, they're fighting the liquid metal Terminator. And at the very end, they got to push him out into the, the foundry, into the, into the molten metal to finally melt and kill him, right? Before that, there was a Donald Trump's like that that Terminator man. He's just you think he's dead. He's going to come back, but we're finally going to push him over that edge and take. He's going to take with him the deplorables. This this terrible strain of hatred and intolerance in America that hated gay people, hated women, hated minorities, hates immigrants, hates people that don't speak English, hates the pot smokers. All I think that's dying out. I think maybe we're turning a corner to where we're going to be more accepting of other people. And, and you know, part of this is the, uh, the demographic change, uh, to be sure, that we're, they're, we're becoming browner and younger, right? That's definitely a part of it. But I also think that part of it is our interconnectedness, the internet, the Facebook, the, the way that we're able to connect these days. Because generally, when you look at the country, uh, and, and, you know, we always talk about red and blue states. We're not red and blue states. We're red country with blue islands. We're red country with blue cities. It would be a better way to put it. And I think there's a co- the, the correlation that I make is when you're in a city, you're crammed together with a whole bunch of different people. Everybody's different. And if you're not tolerant, you don't get along. <laughs> you, and, and it's harder to form uh, stereotypes and prejudices uh, against people when you're confronted by them and you have to experience them and, and realize that people are all different, right? So I, that's why I think cities always tend to be more liberal, more, and, and you know, you the university towns too, you know, whenever there's more education, more, uh, we seem to see less of this problem. And then you get out of the cities, you go out to the country, you go out to the, the middle of the country, places where, where I grew up, and it's more of the same. More people are more the same. They more tend to go to the same types of churches and like the same kinds of stuff and listen to the same kinds of music. And it's not that they're racist or prejudiced per se. It's just that they're so used to sameness that differentness freaks them out. Right? When I was back in Idaho, we had like our, you know, my friend, my red, even, even my redneck uncles that I always talk about, we had Mexican friends and black friends and, and, all sorts of different people that, but they were like us. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, the black or the Mexican friend in Idaho was the guy who st- still wore the trucker hat, right? And the, and the, <laughs> and uh, had had the had the, the 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 hunting rifle in the in the rack of the pickup, right? He was a good old boy, just happened to be Mexican. Good old boy, just happened to be black, right? But they were still like us. So there wasn't the, and, and and that rural kind of feeling sometimes when they talk about race issues or they get mad at black lives matter it's it's a them kind of those kind of black people kind of thing chris rock had an old routine on it older folks you'll know what i'm saying uh, i likes black people but i hate you know the routine he won't do the routine anymore either by the way <laughs> he's he swore off of it because too many white people were using it, like white nationalists were going yeah that's what we mean well and he's like no that's not what i meant 
But uh, I think you know what I'm saying, right? It's, it's, it's this fear of the different. And when you're in a city, when you're in an educated place, it's harder to fear the difference because you're confronted by it all the time. Well, where this ties back to the whole marijuana legalization thing is that we're more connected now, right? When I was growing up in rural Idaho, I managed to get a hold of myself a public enemy cassette. We had cassettes back in the day. And I was, I was really into rap when I was young, right? And uh, I, I, I was thrilled by it. Well, this was not something you heard on the radio in Nampa, Idaho growing up. Not on J105, the Rock of Idaho, right? Playing Boston for the sixth time in a row. Anyway, <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you heard growing up. So where did I get this? I mean, I, I had to look far and wide to find, you know, figure out what my interests were. Who, who is Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock? Never heard of him. There was no internet. You didn't look it up. You couldn't find it. Maybe you, you went to the, 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 the mall and in the magazine, you could find a, a music magazine and maybe look something up and, oh, that's somebody I had to find. And then, oh, then you had to go to the record store and, and, and find, is there a cassette of that guy? Oh, we don't have that. And you know, finally, I got myself a public enemy cassette and I was just, oh my God, I loved it. Played the shit out of that. Well, that disconnect, that being disconnected from what's going on around you was a lot easier back then. We used to have a saying, you know, welcome to Idaho, set your clock back 30 years, right? But with the internet and with our connectedness now, kids growing up in Minot, North Dakota got access to the same Spotify I do. Kids growing up in Wheeling, West Virginia got the same Pandora I got. And, and take that metaphor larger, right? Not just sharing music, but sharing ideas and sharing cultures and sharing viewpoints. We've just become so much more connected. And that's why I think we're at the end of this kind of era. And the Trumps and the deplorables represent the last holdouts of that we can wall ourselves off and be our own sameness. It's the end of that. There's not going to be any more homogeneity. We're too connected now. We're too globalized now. We're too part of this big living economic, agricultural, <laughs> ecological sphere hurtling through space. We can no longer separate ourselves behind walls, be they actual walls, Donald, oh my God, or metaphorical walls of being geographically distant and culturally isolated and economically uh, separated it it just won't work anymore and marijuana is becoming a big big part of that that's it's threatening to tear down the barrier between us and our health care that's what they're that's what they're afraid of by the way they're not afraid of the fact that like oh you can you know grow some weed and smoke it and get high <laughs> that doesn't bother them a bit what bothers them is it, it sup- upsets the entire medical paradigm right it's not just that it might replace Oxycontin or Xanax or Ambien or whatever. That, that's part of it, yes. But on a bigger scale, it's not that it's replacing individual products. It's replacing a whole way of thinking. It's replacing a whole paradigm of how we treat and deal with illness in this world. It's getting us back to what Native Americans and uh, you know, early Chinese and Egyptians and, and people understood that there was a homeostasis. There was, this, there was this way that we fit in with the rest of life, with the rest of the planet. And we're getting back to that. And we're uncovering this 
You know, we don't need to go to the guy in the white coat with the framed diploma on the wall who got the special given knowledge only to the certain cast of special professionals that have the wisdom to be able to. No, fuck that shit. Smoke a bowl. (laughs) Right. Try a plant. Maybe maybe stop eating less shit. Right. Go take a walk. Have a nap. Give someone a hug. Fall in love. Eat some chocolate. Relax. We're getting to that. And that just upsets the whole freaking apple cart when it comes to capitalism. (laughs) Messes the whole thing up, doesn't it? Yeah, the irony is that we are. <laughs> we are thinking of the children. We're thinking, hey, maybe uh, maybe we ought not destroy this planet. Maybe we ought not get them addicted to painkillers and shit. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll do some of those scary, scary marijuana ads. And more when we return. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Our daughter, Rebecca, could have a seizure at any given time that could take her life. When you have 200 seizures a day, she gets so scared. I've learned a lot about the benefits of medical marijuana in the treatment of intractable epilepsy in children. We feel her saying to us, Mom, Dad, help me. when is this going to stop? Why don't you, my parents who love me, do something? And we can't. Please help us help our daughter. Our daughter, Rebecca, needs all options for medical marijuana, so please vote yes on Amendment 2. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Just checking up on the chat room, and uh, good point made by John Thomas out there. Um, can't help it. Every time I say John Thomas, I think of uh, I think of uh, John Cleese. <laughs> uh, anyway, John Thomas out there says uh, uh, that there's uh, the the risk that we've got. 
in in the internet world and the globalized world now is this kind of this balkanization that's happening, right? Where everybody just kind of ends up in their own echo chamber, like here, <laughs> right? We're kind of an echo chamber. We all like legalized weed, and we talk about legalized weed. So, uh, but I think that th- there's a degree of that. I understand that because there are people that they they just spend their whole day on Fox News, and that's their whole worldview, and they're not listening. They're not allowing any other voices in. There's that, and, but I think there's always been that. Right, that you could always be that kind of person. I'm saying if you want to be one of those people that's interconnected, it's much more possible. And I think the natural inclination for people is to want to be interconnected. I think we're kind of a social animal that way. We want to communicate with others. We want to share information and ideas and stories with them. So I, that's I guess that's the point. Uh, just to hone that point a little bit, I guess you're right. There is that there is that balkanization. Trust me, I get the emails from them. <laughs> <laughs> I get them all the time. I, I'm a, I take in a lot of information, people. I don't know if you know how much I read and, and sift through and the PDFs I download and just the most dry subjects sometimes. But uh, uh, I, I get them from a lot of sources. I'll, I'll, I'll get my feed from Breitbart and Drudge. And I follow people on Twitter that are diehard righties and super Trumpers and you know, anti-pop people. I, I follow them all. I want I want all the voices coming in. I want as many voices in my head as possible. <laughs> so all that pot smoking made me see. Uh, but I want to I want to get all the sources I possibly can. I want to hear all the perspectives. That's why I go out to the no on Prop 64 stuff and read what they're saying. And yeah, I use it for fodder. I, I, I entertain, you know, throw some entertainment value on it. But I am generally concerned about what their concerns may be. And so. With that in mind, I want to direct your attention to a story that's on the Los Angeles Times today. And it's, um, these 76-year-old twins have grown pot for decades. Here's why they oppose legalization. Uh-huh. You know how this one's going to go, right? Uh, John Thompson's getting mad already, I can tell you. Uh... <laughs> We'll get to this story in a second. I want to just plant that nugget right there. Plant that seed. These 76-year-old twins have grown pot for decades. Here's why they oppose legalization. Before I tell you the story of these 76-year-old pot growers, let me tell you a different story. A story of two young men living in two different continents. One was named Charles Martin Hall. He was 22 years old. And he's living in Ohio. And there's another young man named Paul Harrow. He's 23 years old and he's living in France. You got these two young men in their early 20s in two different continents, right? America and France. Now, the story of these two concerns aluminum, or as they would say over in England, aluminium. Now, we know aluminum as cans, right? Your soda cans, right? Aluminum cans. Here in Oregon, you get five cents per can for your deposit, right? We know it as one of the most recyclable materials possible, like 96% post-consumer recyclable, something like that. Wonderful thing, right? And, and, And aluminum foil, right? We got aluminum foil, cheap, easy, very handy, right? You got aluminum everywhere. 
as we should, aluminum is one of the most plentiful substances on the planet. It's the most common metal in Earth's crust. But here's the thing about aluminum. It wasn't always that cheap. It wasn't always the aluminum foil in the tin can that we know it as today. Aluminum's got this property that binds it to almost anything else, almost any other element, right? So you'll find rubies and sapphires that have, you know, aluminum bound to them, right? And and so for all of human history, despite the fact that aluminum could be found everywhere, it's freaking common as hell, you couldn't get it. You couldn't get pure aluminum. It was tough. There's painstaking processes to make this happen. So up until 1825, there wasn't even a sample of aluminum, right? It was all over the planet, but you couldn't get just it separate from the other stuff, right? It was bound together with all this stuff. So 1825, they finally put together a a sample of aluminum. These scientists finally figure out how to make a sample. And even that wasn't a pure sample of aluminum. It was still contaminated, but they still managed to get this barely kind of impure aluminum made. And this was the to- the toast of the town, man. It was like, oh my God, this new metal, it's so shiny. It's so, so malleable. It's so amazing. So it was really, really expensive. Uh, Napoleon, for example, when he wanted to impress his dinner guests, show them a great honor, he would put aluminum silverware out there. He would direct the servants to take the gold silverware or the actual silver silverware. Get rid of that crap. Put out the aluminum. We've got honored guests coming. Nothing but the best. Put out the aluminum. The Washington Monument. You ever seen the Washington Monument? It had a six pound aluminum cap on it. Put on the top of it because that was extravagant that was the grand honor we'll put aluminum on the top of the of the washington monument to honor our first president and the father of our country so up until the 1800s aluminum is this rare rare expensive thing but there was a couple of things that were happening along this same time there was a the development of the science of electrochemistry We started understanding electricity and how it interacted with metals. And we started understanding a lot of these concepts. And so at the same time, these two young men in their early 20s, one's in Ohio, one's in France, they're studying chemistry. They got some mentors that are talking about aluminum. They're thinking, wow, if you could find a way to get this aluminum out of the rocks, my God, you'd make a, a fortune. So the guy in Ohio, Hall, he's he's out in his folks' woodshed working on this. Uh, Haro, he's out in France working in, at a tannery. And they both come up with this idea of using cryolite, which is an aluminum compound, that in a solution, when shot through with electricity, would produce pure aluminum. They both hit upon it about the same time. And both were successful at roughly the same time in history of becoming the first people to produce pure aluminum in a very simple and economical process. Now, Hall kept working on this process, refining the process, and founded a company uh, that became 
Alcoa, which we know as the big aluminum company of America, right? Now, in 1880, the price of aluminum was $12 a pound. It got down to $4.86 a pound just eight years later. It dropped to 78 cents a pound just five years after that. By the 1930s, something that 50 years ago cost $12 a pound was down to 20 cents a pound. 20 cents a pound for aluminum. Now, by the 1930s, we have flight that was made partially possible because the Wright brothers were able to build a lighter engine thanks to aluminum in 1903. Uh, We got the first aluminum foil being made in 1910. And by 1948, they figured out how you could use that for cooking, right? How to make some aluminum that wasn't going to leach into the, the food or whatever. So we got... By 1948, we get aluminum foil. And of course, aluminum has been used in so many consumer goods and things, inventions, getting us to the moon, etc., etc. What a, a miracle we got from this development of a way to produce pure aluminum so cheaply. Something that was plentiful. I mean, my God, you couldn't shake a stick at a rock without finding some aluminum, but nobody could do anything with it because, my God, it was so hard to produce. It was so expensive certainly was not economically uh, feasible for making airplanes and beverage containers. So why am I talking about aluminum? Okay, let's go back. You remember the 76-year-old twins we brought up? All right, so these 76-year-old twins, Los Angeles Times, have opposed growing pot for decades. And they're opposing, they've grown pot for decades. They're opposing Prop 64. And one of them, Robert and John Cunning are their names. They're 76-year-old identical twins. They went up to the mountains uh, 40 years ago. Quote, we came here with the back-to-land movement. And for 6500 bucks, they bought, uh, bought 10 acres, got a creek running down the middle, built some homes, grew their cannabis gardens. Uh, they got, oh, uh, sorry, they didn't, uh, back then they weren't growing cannabis. They were just, just uh, going to the back-to-the-land movement. And then Robert says, quote, A friend of mine came up here in 1985, grew marijuana, and sold it for $2,000 a pound. And that's when I thought, you know, you might be able to make a little money doing this, end quote. And that, of course, is what thousands of families and people in Mendocino County, Emerald Triangle area have thought for years, right? Robert continues, quote, at one time, I sold stuff for $5,000 a pound. It was worth more than gold. Now... It's down to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, but cannabis allowed me to finish my house and get comfortable. End quote. So he also says, "I consider myself a teacher." Or John says, "I consider myself a teacher and a woodworker. The cannabis is just to fill in where the teaching and woodworking don't pay the bills." End quote. Now they're against Prop sixty four. They believe that it's uh, going to open the floodgates to the corporatization of the industry, pushing taxes up and prices down, and maybe force them out of the business. "Quote: The thing you need to realize is that this is a movement that is becoming an industry. The movement was organic gardening, the back to the land, alternative lifestyle. We were the original generation that came up here and set up our pot gardens." And then they make the point of you know like. Walmart squeezed out the mom and pop businesses, and this is what's going to happen with marijuana. It's going to be legal, and then it's going to squeeze out these guys from being able to make $1,200 to $1,500 a pound. So I can't help but think of the people who 
maybe they were rich people and they invested in aluminum when they were in the early 1800s and managed to get a whole bunch of it and buy it and sell it and, and made a whole career over this aluminum that was selling at $12 a pound. And I wonder, I wonder what happened to their families. And I wonder what happened to the, the areas of the country where they had built up this economy around aluminum being $12 a pound. Only to find that, you know, a few years later, it's down to 20 cents a pound. I, I wonder what they did. I, I wonder, wonder how they uh, adjusted to that fact of life. Because I'm sorry, guys, you don't deserve to make a drug dealer's profits for a farmer's lifestyle on the back of incarcerating innocent cannabis consumers. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing... I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are just getting ready for the big debate that's happening. Last presidential debate's on tonight, and I can't wait. This has been an entertain. People have been like, oh, my God, this election's awful. It's terrible. I've loved this election. <laughs> this has been great. How much more entertainment value could you get? Then again, I don't have children, <laughs> and I'm not married. 
and I don't have property or possessions. So <laughs> I can have kind of a devil may care attitude, right? I, I, I kind of subscribe to that George Carlin thinking, you know, this country was bought and sold a long time ago. It's a big club and you ain't in it, right? <laughs> that kind of, kind of, and, and what was the thing about, you know, it's all, well, uh, Bill Hicks has this thing about it's only a ride. It's all just a ride. And Carlin's is, um, you know, it's, it, what is it a train wreck? Train wreck's not the right word, but when you're, uh, when you're born, uh, you're given a front, you're given a seat to the train wreck. And then if you're born in America, you're given a front row seat, right? So I've always had this kind of attitude. And so watching this develop, this election, watching, first of all, the mainstream Republican candidates, the Jeb, you know, watching Jeb have to, to die <laughs> on, uh, you know, on the vine, wither on the vine there, I should say. Uh, after getting hundreds of millions of dollars and having the whole political family support behind him and all that, to see the monster the Republicans created of their Tea Party kind of movement evolve and become Trump and take out all of their mainstream uh, uh, guys that was just and gals that was just wonderful. I loved it. And now Trump's threatening to take down the whole damn ship. <laughs> He's, he's threatening. They, I was reading a piece the other day that was talking about how he is in danger of having the worst uh, popular vote performance ever. Ever. Like below, I think it's like 36 was the the worst one. Something like that. Uh, we'll see. This will be fun. I did want to uh, get a couple of things out real quick. Um, there was a tweet that came across regarding the uh, regarding the election or regarding the debate that I thought was perfect. It says. It's rigged against me, says endorsed straight white billionaire male given a year's worth of free advertising by the media. <laughs> that was perfect. Nailed it. Loved it. Um, before we go, though, I wanted to make sure we get to the uh, the ads because I, I, I kept teasing this segment and I, uh, I kept putting it off because I, I got off on a, a, a ramble there. I got a little... Uh, yeah, you get those conversations when you smoke weed every now and then. You get into the one atom in my thumbnail could be an entire universe kind of conversations. I think we just had one of those earlier today. Um, by the way, just quick stat. Uh, there are more um, stars in the uh, universe than there are grains of sand on the beach. But there's more atoms in a grain of sand than there are stars in the universe. Discuss. All right. <laughs> but let me get to these ads because all across the country now, I told you earlier, Sheldon Adelson's put $2 million into, uh, into defeating Florida. He's put a million dollars into Massachusetts. We got a, uh, a million dollars from uh, another, uh, the, the discount tire people in Arizona. Do not shop at discount tire in Arizona. I gave a million dollars to defeat legalization. Another 500000 from Insys Therapeutics in Arizona. Makers of fentanyl, the drug that killed Prince, want to make sure that marijuana is not legal because they're working on a synthetic cannabinoid drug. So, yeah, there's all the, all the big money starting to come out here for uh, fighting legalization. And it means advertising. It means the antis actually have some ads. So I'm going to give you a rundown. We'll do one for each state. Let's see what we can find to debunk in these. We'll start with Arizona. We'll do them alphabetical order. So. Arizona's Proposition 205. This is the ad called A Very Bad Deal. In 2012, Colorado voted to legalize marijuana. Colorado schools were promised millions in new revenues. Instead, Denver schools got nothing. What did Denver students get? Marijuana, inedibles that look like candy, marketed to kids. 
teen marijuana use is the highest in the country, 74% higher. Traffic deaths increased 62%. Legalizing marijuana was a bad deal for Colorado. Learn more about Prop 205. All right, so this one's already been called out in the Arizona media uh, because it's a flat-out misrepresentation, obvious obfuscation, incredible distortion. It's everything you can call something that's not technically a lie. (laughs) And here's what it was. They said Colorado was promised money for schools for marijuana legalization, but schools in Denver didn't get a dime. Those two statements are true. Colorado did promise a lot of school money and Denver didn't get any school money. And the reason why is because Denver rejected it. There was money for Denver. The state went here, Denver, here's your money for schools. And Denver said, no, thank you. We don't want the pot money. So to use that in an ad to try to scare people that Oh, you vote for legalization. And plus, notice what they don't say is they say Colorado has promised money for schools, but Colorado schools got nothing. No, Denver schools got nothing, right? They don't note the fact that every other place in Colorado got a whole bunch of money for their schools. And then there's another stat she throws in there. The the rate of smoking pot in Colorado is 74% higher than the national average. Yeah, and it's always been higher than the national average. It's freaking Colorado, man. John Denver was not bullshitting when he sang Rocky Mountain High, okay? It's always been a great... See, these people, they think legalization makes people smoke pot, and it's the opposite. Smoking pot makes you legalize it. Where there's lots of pot smokers, they get together and decide, hey, you know what? Being a criminal kind of sucks. We ought to fix that. That's why Colorado has legalization and high rates and Oregon has legalization and high rates and why all of the first states to have done decrim, legal or medical were states that had high rates of use. It's not like the people of Iowa were banging down the doors to try to legalize. No offense, Iowa. I know you do want to legalize. Uh, But you get my point when you're in a state where 3.7% of the people smoke pot, it's a little more difficult than when you're in a state where, say, 14% do. All right, let's attack one. This is a California ad. Which one is this one? Um, Oh, it's just called Smoke. Proposition 64 will allow marijuana smoking ads in prime time and on programs with millions of children and teenage viewers. Children could be exposed to ads promoting marijuana gummy candy and brownies, the same products blamed for a spike in emergency room visits in Colorado. Fatalities doubled in marijuana-related car crashes after legalization in Washington state. Yet, in California, Proposition 64 doesn't even include a DUI standard. Prop 64. They got it wrong again. All right, so let's go backwards on this one. The Washington state DUI thing. Uh, Marijuana-related fatalities means we got dead people that were pot smokers. That's all it means. Doesn't say they were high. Doesn't say that the being high caused the wreck. Doesn't say that even the driver was the cause of the wreck. Just means that people who smoke pot got in wrecks. And now that it's legal, people have more opportunities to smoke pot. Doesn't mean that that caused the wreck. Any more than being a gay married man would cause your wreck. But it's a whole lot more likely we're going to find gay married men these days in wrecks. Now, uh, also, the, 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 the doesn't include a DUI standard. Colorado, California doesn't even include a DUI standard. Well, aren't you kind of undercutting your own argument because Washington has one and 
you're making us worry that it got more accidents. So how did the DUI standard help? Anyway, uh, the beginning of this ad, the beginning of this ad talking about uh, the advertising. Kids might see pot ads on TV. Oh, my God. (gasps) Well, the advertising uh, restrictions in Prop 64 are pretty stringent. It's the typical kind of thing where you, you know, uh, I don't have them right in front of me. But within Prop 64, it's got guidelines. It's got mandates, I should say, within the whole licensing advertising marketing section that they have to make it not appeal to kids. And generally, that means you get regulations that say that if the audience is more than 6% this or 10% that or if it's after the hour of 10. And this is a bunch of much ado about nothing. And of course, trying to throw in the deadly pot gummy bear scare in there. Oh, no, they'll see ads for stuff that looks like gummy bear. Anyway, let's go to Florida. See how they're trying to fight medical marijuana in Florida. This ad is called Bud Tenders. This is a pharmacist. Qualifications, four years of medical training and 2,000 hours of clinical experience. This is a bud tender. Qualifications, no medical training, no clinical experience, but knows a lot about pot firsthand. With Amendment 2, pot will be legally dispensed by bud tenders, not pharmacists. In pot shops, not pharmacies. No prescription needed. That's not medicine. It's dope dealers with storefronts. Vote no on Amendment 2. Now, of course, Florida's Amendment 2 is polling about 77% now, so, you know, you can laugh at this kind of ad. But this kind of ad worked last year, or last election, 2014, to drop the support down to 58%. I think, though, the people have gotten the, the clue in Florida that this ad is blaming the medical marijuana amendment for something that's really the fault of being Schedule 1. We'd have it in pharmacies. Sure, we'd have it dispensed by pharmacists. Great, that'd be awesome. We can't. It's Schedule 1. We can't do that. The whole reason we're passing this amendment is because you won't let it be medicine. All right, let's see what we got from Massachusetts. This ad is called Neighborhoods. Question 4 would allow thousands of pot shops and marijuana operators throughout Massachusetts in neighborhoods like yours. Shops that sell pot edibles that look like candy and high-potency marijuana. In pro-pot states, incidents of drugged driving and fatal car accidents are up. More pot shops than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. Higher potency, dangerous drivers. It's the reason health professionals are urging you to vote no on four. Oh, no. Pot shops. There'll be pot shops. And uh, if anybody wants to see what pot shops look look like, uh, you can go on the Internet. There's plenty of them in lots of states. And what you'll find is uh, frosted glass and solid walls and no big signage. And it's for them to be scared of pot shops at the same time that they're dining in open air patios with alcohol is ludicrous. And especially when the alternative to a pot shop is the gang, is the street dealer, is all sorts of unsavory solutions. Ridiculous, Massachusetts. All right, one more. We got to get one more in before we take a break. Nevada, this is the no big deal ad. Think recreational pot is no big deal? This is today's pot, 10 times stronger than a marijuana cigarette. Colorado legalized edible pot two years ago. Emergency room visits for children who accidentally consumed it have doubled. 
and calls to poison control are up five times. Question two would make recreational edible pot legal in Nevada, putting our kids at risk overnight. Vote no on question two. Their lives may depend on it. All right. Sorry about the uh, audio quality there. Hard drive skips and stuff. But uh, you got to love the uh, the minor key uh, in the background. Got to love that. Uh, nice and scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nevada's going to legalize it. And it is no big deal. This They keep trying to scare us with the, oh, more people got in wrecks. When all the states have seen, well, I shouldn't say all, all of the legal states have seen declines in their highway fatalities, in their roadway fatalities. Yes, you're going to find more pot in people's system, but you need to get over the idea that finding pot in people's systems means you found a bad driver. It's not alcohol. It don't work that way. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles... Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Lisa was an amazing girl. She loved boating, photography, drama. Nothing could stop the cancer. She was only 17. She had surgeries, hundreds of chemos, radiation. All they could do was try to make her feel better. We did lose Elise in September. It was horrific. I don't know why anyone would choose to deny her relief by denying her access to medical marijuana. Yes on two is compassion for those still fighting. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any, any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a skunk. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Just uh, five minutes here before we close up shop and get ourselves ready for the big debate night that's happening. Can't wait. Going to be a lot of fun. 
Got a reminder, we got a great show coming up for you tomorrow here on the Russ Belleville Show. Our guest will be from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, David Lanois from Massachusetts. We'll be talking about Massachusetts Question 4 and uh, how not just uh, law enforcement has been against this and some of the state officials in Massachusetts, but the beer distributors pack. We're seeing uh, the alcohol industry starting to raise up and uh, fight some of these initiatives. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll talk to him about that. And then on Friday's show, we've got Tommy Chung on the show. Yeah, not live, though. Won't be able to talk to him live, unfortunately. I've got to do a pre-record tomorrow morning with him. But uh, we'll play that for you on Friday's show. So you'll get to hear my uh, talk with Tommy. And if you got some questions you'd like me to ask, send me an email, uh, radicalrust at gmail.com, and I'll ask Tommy Chong. All right, before we go, I've got to make sure I play this one. This is from the No on uh, Nevada Question 2 people. Uh, stealing from Jimmy Kimmel, uh, a bit that he does on his show called Mean Tweets. And this one is called Kids Read Mean Tweets from Pot Advocates. At Trustly, I like to smoke pots and play with little kids. If a child accidentally eats a marijuana edible, it will not hurt them. Cannabis has never hurt anyone, ever. At Chaw said, your guys' entire argument is kids going to the ER or poison control. But why is that so bad? It's not like they're hurt. At Thai Nugget, kids smoke a heroic amount of pot and you can be great too, guaranteed. All right. At Jules said, if my kids don't smoke pot, they're getting kicked the F out. <laughs> so there you go. That's the, uh, uh, the mean tweets. Now, mean tweets from pot advocates, right? You could look up those Twitter handles. It's not like they're getting like the head of MPP or DPA or any of these campaigns. It's like the random stoners on the Internet that tweet shit, <laughs> right? You want me to go find some random tweets from people that hate pot? Give you an idea of uh, what they're thinking? I found some pretty scandalous shit, man. I get it all the time. So uh, funny. And, and actually, not funny. That's, that's the other thing I wanted to mention about this. It's always amusing to me when these folks, the puritanical conservative types, try comedy. Especially comedy that involves sarcasm. They're just so bad at it. They're just so, so terribly bad at it. <laughs> Very rare that you ever get that uh, uh, worked out just right. So uh, nice try, Nevada, but uh, not nice enough. All right, we're going to call it a day. And uh, before we go, let's do a random. This is a random no ad. Let's see what we get. Oh, we got, we've already heard that one. So let me do a different one. Here's a random Arizona no ad. Supporters of Prop 205 claim it will raise money for Arizona schools. But check the fine print. Where does the money really go? To pay for new government agencies and a special marijuana police force. Arizona schools get whatever's left over. When marijuana was legalized in Colorado, Denver schools got nothing. Prop 205 means bigger government and more spending. Do you really think the marijuana money will get to Arizona classrooms? Get the facts on Prop 205. (laughs) <laughs> well, once again, the whole uh, Denver didn't get money thing that we debunked. But the fun I want to debunk on that one, it creates a whole new agency and fund. Yes, 
Yes, that's what happens in government when you have a new industry is that there's an agency that regulates it. <laughs> and it pays for itself. Oh, and then the, then the schools get what's left over, which will be millions. It's all the time we got. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.